Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash usedbookguy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. Mike here alongside Johnny B. As always, today's topic is arguably, probably could be the most important one we've covered, and that is processes. When it comes to everything in your business, there should be a process. I mean, I guess you couldn't have any process, but like if you were friends with Johnny and you didn't have any kind of scheduling or processes in your life, like he would probably like, Rip the, rip the hair off his head, rip his beard off, because he is a man that appreciates structure and a way that things actually happen in the business. And it is, I think it does, like, this is more important even to, like, a small seller than a large seller like yourself, because you just wind up, you know, like, if every week I came on and, you know, for those watching on YouTube, we see the same book sitting behind you that aren't doing nothing, they're not moving, you're not actually picking them up and doing something with them, like, you're not making no progress. So I'm going to throw it over to you and you kind of can just take us anywhere with the topic of processes. Well, there's a process of the buy, right? There you go in, you assess the goods, possible goods that are on the wall. Um, if it looks good enough where you're wanting to make a bigger deal, because there's a lot of good stuff on there. And I'm speaking from an eBay perspective. If you're a scanner, of course, you're going to scan and probably first. Um, and if it looks good, you go up and find an employee could be the manager, probably an employee like is the manager on duty and they say yes or no. If they say yes, um, ask if they could send them over to them. You're interested in buying all of it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to wander off and go get them. If they say no, you can ask for when the manager's in, um, or ask if you could have their number. I've done that before. I called them up right up. If it, it looks really good, I want it right now. If it's something they can wait, I'll wait till they're in and come back. Um, and then how do you get it out? It's a lot of books, right? For me, I got tubs in a cart, so and they stack. So I'll bring my tubs in and my cart in. I always ask permission if I can bring this stuff in because I've only had one person say no, but I want to be polite and courteous. So I'll wheel that in and I'll put the tubs and lids to the side, put one empty lid on the cart, or I'm sorry, one empty tub on the cart without the lid, fill it up, pop the lid on, stack the next tub without a lid, et cetera, et cetera. I can get about four high. And these are 27. Well, they're those behind me there. See, they stack all nice and pretty. Those things, those things are nice, dude. You got nice toads. Inexpensive, but worth it. Plastic gold. Um, And then figuring out how to arrange them. Because I used to just do three columns up, uh, but only four. But I figured out if I turn one row sideways, I could have five uh, as my base. So instead of two and two, it's two and then one, two, three sideways. So figuring out, well, a little bit of geometry math, how to angle it. So you can do this empty. You don't have to be full to figure this out. Um, also, how many can you cram in the back seat if you got a back seat or your front seat? Figuring out the maximum you can take. Now, there are people who just dump the books in the back of their bed or the back of their trunk. Nothing wrong with that. But I have a truck, so some stuff's going to be on the outside. 
So I figured out how much I could stack and still be able to drive my vehicle. Um, and then same kind of process to unload them, but you have to have an area clear when you get back to wherever you are, whether it's your garage, your storage, your, your warehouse, figuring out where to shove it. And that's before you do any processing. That's just buying. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's a process, right? You know, like you got to have a plan. And what happens is, right, like I walk into a store and a lot of people, they get excited, right? They walk in and there's the books are 10 cents a piece and there's 25 bookcases and they're just like, I'll buy them all. It's like there's really no like people will jump to the conclusion of just going and I'm going to buy everything. And they didn't even walk over and see what it is. Right. It could be all James Patterson. It could be all Nora Roberts. And I do think like it's even more important as an eBay seller, especially because, you know, not a lot of people do bulk books on eBay because the work that goes into it and the processes you have to have in place. So like as an eBay seller, you almost have to be even more process oriented. I mean, you got to be. That's a guarantee. I'll, I'll, I'll state that now. If you're eBay compared to Amazon, your processes have to be way better on eBay than Amazon because Amazon, there's really no, you know, none of the hoops or none of the uh, quote unquote algorithm you have to deal with. And it just, it just, I think about this because it's for me. I don't want to work just to work, right? Like, I don't want to just be like, well, I'm a reseller, so I got to do this 60 hours a week, right? It's like, and I do think a lot of people like drag out their reselling work just so they can be like, well, I do this full time. Well, what if I told you, if you could refine your processes, you can make a full-time income investing a part-time time, right? You give part-time time, but you get a full-time income. This is why I think processes are literally the most important thing in business. Yeah, you got to find this stuff, but I mean, that's also a process. But after that, everything has to have a destination, a place where it's going to wind up. And I think what happens here is maybe somebody, you know, walks into a huge buy, kind of like you were saying, and all of a sudden they have, you know, a, a truck full of books and what's the next step, right? Like, what's what's the next step in the process? You got the books, you take them home. Like you said, do you even have somewhere to put the books? Like, I, I used to, I used to. Oh sort, no, where do they go? Yeah, I used to sort my bulk buys out on the sidewalk, literally out on the curb. I would have thirty-five different stacks. The neighbors probably thought I was crazy, but I didn't have. Well, I mean, I do have space, but I'm not carrying everything up three flights of steps. So it's like, you got to be smart about the decisions you're making. And it all starts when you buy that initial, you know, amount of inventory, a larger amount of inventory, because that's when your processes have to be, you know, great. And even, you know, it's different if you just walk in and you buy 10 things, right? Your processes can kind of be crap. You probably can get away with it um, to an extent. But if you're buying large amounts of inventory, no matter what category, no matter what platform, you got to have a plan in place from start to finish. Are you going to need a U-Haul? Are you going to need this? Are you going to need that? Are you taking into consideration all the time, the money for you? Maybe maybe it's going to be five truckloads, right? Maybe you got to drive an hour five different times back and forth to make it worth your while. So you got your truck full of books, Jay. What are you going to do when you get back to the warehouse? What's the next step? Uh, put them in the uh, pre-processing area. I have a little area on the floor that I assign. Usually the tubs are there empty. Um, just stacked up, but they go there until we're until we've allocated time to process them. So let's just say we fast forward. It's now time to process them. Um, 
my tables roll. So I move the processing table over to the tubs. There's no sense in bringing the tubs to me when I can just simply bring the table to it. Um, and then we just pop a lid. You can't go more than four high on these. So there's a little rectangle square area. Pop the lid on the first one and load them all on the table. Um, if a process, now that I'm back in Amazon, we'll first put them into three different piles, uh, one tub at a time. Um, ISBN, uh, barcode, and got to crack the book open to see if it has a ISBN number in there. And we'll do about two or three tubs, which will pretty much fill up the table. And then we'll do a scanning pass to clear it. We'll move the empty tubs over to like where I am now for eBay price comping to see if it pops for eBay. Okay, well, we'll hold up here. Somebody's going to say or somebody's going to think, well, why do you waste time separating barcodes, ISBN, no ISBN books, instead of just stacking everything on the table? It saves so much time because the the little two-second button toggle um, is not time effective. So basically, you got a barcode. Okay, it, it scanned. Great. You move on to your next book. Oh, it's a book you got to open, so you got to... Flip the book over. Well, let's just and let's just say that maybe you didn't even like you just say you threw books on the table. They aren't even faced the right way. First of all, well, you kind of have to do that to even rifle through them. But if you're having to rifle through a different way for each and every book because you never know what you're going to get between ISBN barcode and got to crack the book open, the the, the switching around uh, mental real estate's not free and physical real estate's not free. So the less movement you make the better and faster it will go so doing that initial work up front the the sorting the, the sorting to sort um is such a time saver i mean you could say if you're doing a lot you can literally save hours if not like half an hour i um i want to run something by you and get your opinion something i do for disc media right i buy a whole bunch of cds and dvds um i do the same thing as you right barcodes non-barcodes um one thing I do not do is check the cases for the disc until it's an accept somewhere that it's winding up, right? I'm not, you know, opening everyone as I'm stacking them. I'm stacking them. If it's an accept for, you know, Amazon FBA or FBM, then I open it up and see if it's there. You agree with this method? Yeah, I mean, there's no point in, there's no point looking for the disc if it's just going to be a dud anyway, right? Like, Right. I mean, there's if it's a dud, it, there's no I don't pop it open and check for scratches either um, until it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. You only do what's necessary first. If there's a secondary step. Great. Then it's a necessary step at that stage. You got to do it one stage at a time. All right. So you got you got your books out on the table. You got them separated. You, you scan for Amazon. Then uh, you, you look for things for eBay. Um do you have like a, a a pile, like a junk pile, right? Like books that are either just damaged or you know ain't worth nothing, right? The Nora Roberts that comes through. Sorry, Nora, if you're watching, you know, we probably, you know, you probably gave up on us after, you know, Johnny talked about you in like episode 10. But yeah. um, like, do you have just a pile that's just like, okay, you know, this is just junk that I'm going to get rid of, recycle, redonate, whatever you do with it. Used to be, I put them in a, I don't know what to do with you until later pile. Um, later has now come as I have a very small brick and mortar store. 
So if they're junked, either water damaged or spine slanting to such a degree, they go outside in the black racks. I don't even care if the weather gets to them. And I sell those books for a dime to locals. Now, if they're in better condition, they come inside with the air conditioning on some bookshelves. And that's where they sit until somebody comes in and buys them. Um, I don't do, I could do the um, buyback programs, but I've created my own buyback program locally with my brick and mortar. And I offer box deals, man. I, I'm the cheapest bookstore in like 300 miles. You literally are like the epitome of like, I try to tell people like, make it seem like, you know, you save every single book. And like, you literally make sure every single book is going somewhere. Like, even if you give it away, like somebody else is going to take it away, right? Like you're not taking it to the dumpster ever. Somebody else can take it to the dumpster for you. And the best part is I'm not worried about shoplifters. <laughs> Yeah, I just take what, yeah, take, take it. it. I don't care. <laughs> take as many as you want. We many don't you can carry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do think like processes are, are they're going to make or break your business. Because I think about like imagine if every time you had a bulk buy or something like you just didn't have a plan, right? And uh, unfortunately, the reality is a lot of resellers don't have a plan when it comes to where how they're going to store their inventory. How are they going to sort their inventory? And then you just wind up with a whole bunch of inventory. Nothing's listed. You're making no money. And then, you know, you call it quits. That's just the reality of it. Like, I try to think about, like, the Amazon process for me, right? I literally, I scan it for Amazon. That's the end of the line. If it's an antique book, I'll take a picture, send it to Max. That's the end of the line. Um, if it's in a good condition, you know, I'll take it to second and Charles get some store credit so I can do some Christmas shopping. But other than that, a lot of my books, I just have to accept the fact that in my business model, they're not worth nothing. Sure. You have plenty of shelf space over there, right? You could, you know, if I live close to you, you would take everything. Like you would just say, Hey, give me it all. I can put it out and sell for, you know, 50 cents a piece. You'll take all James Patterson, all that stuff all day long. But for me, I think the hard pill for people to swallow is when you buy lots of quantity, there's just, especially if you're Amazon, and I would even argue eBay to an extent, just because you have it, you shouldn't be listing it, right? Like, you're not going to list, like, even yourself, you're not going to list a $4 book on eBay, right? It just doesn't make sense. So, like, if you didn't have the brick and mortar and you get all the three $2 junk, like, what's your plan for that? Like, what would you do, you know, pre-brick and mortar, Johnny, he's got, he's got all these James Patterson, Nora Roberts. I tried a couple things that did not work or it worked to uh, not worth my time. I tried going to the flea market and making a deal with the book people. They weren't interested. They, they can't even get rid of their own junk. Right. Um, I tried donating to some local bookstores or trying to do an exchange for currency in-store currency, store credit, more or less. And they're really weird about it. The, what I noticed, I don't know if it's like this in your area is for trade in, they won't even give you full trading percent. It's like 65% uh, trading credit. No cash ever. Um, but it's all like partial trading credit, which is really weird. So at checkout, your credit is like oh. 65%. And then you pay the difference in cash. And that's more than one place and in different cities. That seems to be a thing in my area that I had no idea on because I never... I never bothered with that. I always just bought books from these places. I didn't even care about the trading credit at the time. But when I came time for me to liquidate my junk, I started to pay attention and like, 
I don't want to pay money to exchange books out. This is stupid. Yeah, I've actually I've heard of that. Uh, I've actually heard of that. I personally have never ran into that. Um, but I'm just curious, like, so I can bring in stuff to trade into your place, right? Like if I showed up today. Yeah, I offer I offer different things. I'll pay for books flat out, fifteen cents a pound. I'll weigh it. Uh, they could trade book for book, so it's kind of like one of those library things, which I've had people do, and surprisingly, people just give me books, just flat out give me books. So I'm now the the trash can for where all books go in my area because people hate my library because they're open like three hours of the day during like lunchtime when people are at work too. It's dumb. So I they don't do, have a place to really donate books. So they come to me now. I do think it is beneficial too. Like people will give you books because they see like you're not charging, you know, $8 for a Stephen King book, right? Like they, if they come to your shop once, they see, oh, 10 cent rack. Oh, the books are four for a dollar. Oh, a box is $5. Like, yep. all right. They get in the mindset. This guy's not out here price gouging, right? So it's like, you're going to get those. You're going to get more and more of that as you continue to grow, like the brand of the brick and mortar, which is kind of cool. And like, I really never thought about it like that. But yeah, you'll get people like, hey, we know Johnny will take the books, right? Just taking down the Johnny, you know, dump them outside and they're gone. You know, they'll wind up in somebody else's hands because- you know, as you gain traction, people will come in there and probably buy a crap ton of books because it's so cheap. I mean, you spend 20 they bucks. Do. You... I mean, I'm selling more boxes than I am single books. I even have a buy 10, get one free deal. But once they got 10 books in their hands, they're, start, they're starting to get heavy, right? They're looking down at those boxes. Yeah, it's, it's smart. So, like, back on the topic of, like, processes with Amazon, you just have to – you got to keep things moving. I keep – I say it all the time. You got to keep the inventory – moving right it's almost as if you look at your business as a conveyor belt it's the inventory is always has to be going and winding up in a destination you know whether it's here there anywhere what problem the problem is a lot of people just start well johnny i got all these books they're not worth it on amazon so i'm going to list them all on ebay even though they're five or six dollar books uh, i still need to get money out of it and i've had a few uh coaching calls recently and a lot of them kind of revolve around processes because we almost create we create unnecessary work in our reselling business, right? Like, why are we spending five, 10 minutes listing a four or $5 item? If you start multiplying that, all of a sudden, you're in the red. That's not including, you know, valuing your time, your packing materials, putting it on the shelf. This is just listing this junk, right? So I want people to almost get in the mindset of, okay, what can I cut out my processes that's going to give me my time back? And in turn, it's going to make your hourly wage basically go up as a reseller. So like, give me some tips and tricks here uh, that like, maybe you cut out your business previously. Like for me, I'll get mine first is uh, I used to do bulk buys and I would scan everything for Amazon and I would scan everything for eBay. And I learned pretty quick after like three or four that, scanning everything on ebay after amazon i wasted my time but i had to learn that the hard way so like if that's what you're doing right now i'm here to tell you do not do that i scan thousands of books for ebay after i scan them for amazon and i probably i know for a fact i came out with under 10 books for ebay that were worth selling for over 12.99 like that's just the reality of it so give me give me one that you would probably think a lot of people run into or maybe something you cut out that made sense i mean I'm more of a vintage seller. So if I get stuff that's 
I could tell is before the vintage area, I don't even bother because I know it's pretty much worthless. Now, there are exceptions to this rule, like textbooks. If I come across a textbook, it didn't price comp for Amazon per se. I'll definitely look on eBay because sometimes the marketplaces are a bit different as far as the price arrangement. Uh, other exceptions to that rule would probably be stuff I've sold before. And that's a learn as you go kind of thing. Like I've sold it. It sells every time. Like Stephen King, no questions asked. He just goes in the yes file. Anne Rice, same deal. Um, now, Nora Roberts, I don't care how new the book looks. It's still in shrink wrap. I ain't even bothering. So there, there's that internal Rolodex you build over time. But if you don't have that internal Rolodex, I would go, you you can eyeball it. Look at the paper. If it's sparkling white, like there's one behind me there, it may not be worth your time. If it's a little more yellow, like the one beside it, that orange one, maybe you should look it up because that usually is a good indicator that it's older. The paper has aged slightly. Um, also, it, as you do this, you become more familiar with publishers. If you see a publisher logo that looks different or odd, like uh, Berkeley is a good instance of this. Uh, so is Pocketbooks. If you see the logo and the same name, but it looks really weird and different, you should probably look it up because either that's uh, that's usually an indicator that's also older. Um, now, outside of old books, for newer books, what you should look for is granularity. And what I mean by that, it's one thing to talk about Chevrolet's but it's a different thing to talk about Chevrolet cars from 1957 that are painted blue. The more granular it is, the probably the more valuable it is. Um, uh, other things, people, how-to books, ugh. Reader's Digest, ugh. Um, not usually worth it. Now, there are some how-to books that are worth money, and there's the occasional Reader's Digest that's worth money, but by and large, they're not even worth your time. Um I got a process I want to know about that you haven't done yet, but it's going to come to it. It's, it's going to come one day or another okay. um, stuff that sits out on your brick and mortar shelves for X amount of days. I don't know if you have, I don't know. I, we haven't talked about this. I don't know if you have a plan. Like if you oh, yeah. walk in for the next five months and you see that same stupid book sitting on that same shelf, do you have a process to either switch that out for new inventory like do you have like a fresh inventory process so you can keep things moving so if i come in once a week i'm always going to see maybe something new maybe something different on the shelf i'm not going to see your 35 book cases of james patterson every time i come in i have two things for that so my uh my bricks and board bookshelves which are over there which i can't really angle for you guys they're much like this so you can put rows in front of each other so old stuff gets shoved to the back. New stuff goes in front of those older books. That That's one way. Uh, second way is we do a quarterly outside sale, um, which was my yard sale, but that's them all spread out. And so whatever doesn't sell, we'll walk through them um, before we bring them back in, the ones that are left over. We're going to check for underlining and highlighting. Those are going to stay on the black rack. So we missed them the first go around. So that circulates them out there to go away. Um, but when we bring them back in, they're all going to get shoved to the back and anything new that we've been waiting to put out, that's going to, again, go in front of those things. But I guarantee you my outside sale, a lot of that stuff is just going to move. I, because... I, didn't, I didn't even think, see, I mean, he's already got a process in place. He's already thinking to his next sale, probably two, three months from now. It's like that you get in the mindset of almost 
Because I think the thing is, once you break it open, like once you do that one process that gets you your time back, uh, all of a sudden you start thinking about other things, right? And I can, I can admit, like, I sucked at processes. Like, if I didn't have you and Deb, like, making me refine the way I look at things, like, I would be just a hodgepodge mess. Like, I would always be trying to chase the dollar to the $2. Yeah. And, like, Deb is a huge proponent in, like, valuing your time and your business, especially, I guess it's because she has a handmade business, right? Everything she does, she makes herself. So, like, your time, you have to value it at the end of the day. And for me, I'm just like, well, what else am I going to do today, Johnny? It's 95 degrees out, and I don't have nothing else to do. So, like, cut out that stuff where it's just, like, you feel like you have nothing else to do, there is something else you can do. And I guarantee it, you, I'd rather you sit online, look for a bulk deal um, than, than just list stuff, just to list stuff. And I think with eBay, like, cause a lot of it is like, oh, you got to list 25 a day, 30 a day. And people just, they're in this mindset of, well, I got to go list this junk on eBay every single day because that's what a reseller does. It's like so I stupid. can tell you right now, I did that. I tried listing my junk until I had my brick and mortar. At about, this is back when I was doing almost 60 listings a day. We don't do 60 listings today. We're more like at 35, 40. Because of that, I have 4,000 units in my store that will not sell at my price point I'd like. So I'm having to roll back the dollar value on those just to get them out, run sales on them every day, just to clear them out. Because when they come in to my store or through promoted listings or whatever, I want them to land on a winner not a loser. I got a bunch of losers in my store. I need to cycle out. Um, and I'm paying a terrible price for that right now because a lot of them are losers, but now the losers are marked down to such a degree that they're slowly moving out. I'm about to pull the trigger on something that'll get them out really fast, but my time and my employees time we took to list those unvaluable items was not worth it today. Thought it was then, took some advice I shouldn't listen to like just list it all Johnny you're a bookseller it'll sell that's the way it works I'm here to tell you that's not the way it works at all um learn from my mistakes don't do it don't list the junk online you need to list whatever your dollar Deb's right at, per hour is worth it ain't gonna be five dollar Nora Robert books or hey I got Nora for sale for 2.99 plus shipping right now she still ain't moving, man. Don't no. do it. Don't um, do it. I think I'm going to wrap it up here before we jump into the members part of this with uh, with with a good you know thing you brought up here. Not only do you waste your time today by having broken processes, Johnny B has to waste his time three other times with the markdowns, and then if it sells, he makes no money. You're not only losing that time today. Don't think about it. Well. It's just going to take me 10 minutes today to list this item. Well, you got to go put it on the shelf. If it sells, you got to go find it on the shelf. You got to pack it. You got to take it to the post office. This is why I think everybody needs to take a step back. Look at your process from sourcing. Are you walking in the thrift store? Did it diddle daddling around doing shopping? Oh, look, uh, a nice little, uh, you know, blender. I need a blender, you know, like yeah. I'm in. I know exactly where I'm going and I'm out. You get all you get all this stuff that shows up at your front door for free. All right. Hey, is it good for Amazon? Is it good for eBay? If not, see you later. Bye. We're not chasing chasing the garbage. I mean, we just got to get out of this mindset. So think about your processes. 
moving forward in your business, everybody has something they can fix when it comes to their processes. Even me, even Johnny, we'll think of something down the road here and be like, whoa, why wasn't I doing this before? It's always changing. You're always looking at your business in a different light. So we're going to wrap it up there. We appreciate y'all listening and we'll talk to you in next week's episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. Today's full episode and all previous episodes are available to all YouTube members along with the weekly Zoom call and private Discord. Head on over to youtube.com backslash the used book guy and consider joining for as little as $2.99 a month.